And good morning, One Hope Church. Thank you for this opportunity to share with you again. Thank you for your kind uh, reception of us. We have been here probably uh, uh, more than halfway through, and we've met many of you through the counseling courses and the other events that we've been doing. And uh, we quickly growing to love you all. It's really been such a pleasure and honor to be amongst you and to minister to you. We've been encouraged by your faith in the Lord and your love for each other and a real willingness to serve. So I want to commend you for that. So today I'm talking about depression. And that seems like such a heavy subject, uh, but I hope that you will see there's plenty positives that can come from a topic like this. It's a huge topic, and I'm just going to touch on it today. And of course, depression ranges from generally feeling down, I think all of us feel down every now and again, through to a deep clinical depression and everything in between that clinical depression that can dominate and maybe needs professional help. But as I address the topic, um, I want to say right at the outset, I don't mean to minimize the pain that some people endure. I don't want to give the impression that you just have to do this or that. For some people, there's no just anything. But while I'm not gonna cover the whole topic, uh, we'll be looking a little bit more in-depth on Tuesday, so I'll preach on it today, preach from Psalm 42, but also look, uh, take it a little bit deeper on Tuesday. But I want to uh, hopefully pull some truths from Psalm 42. Um, generally, uh, it's accepted that Psalm 42, Psalm 43 go together. Uh, you'll see there's some common phrases in those two Psalms. But today I want to focus on Psalm 42. So let's start by reading that psalm. It's, it's got 11 verses in it, so let's read it through. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I'll remember you on the land of, of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, the Mount of Mitzah. Deep calls to deep and the roar of the waterfalls. All the waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God of my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where's your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And I pray that God will speak to you from that uh, short psalm today. 
So those first two verses, um, one and two, are familiar to us, I think most of us, because we sing them as a chorus. I think we're aware of them, uh, that, and I think we relate to it as well when it talks about uh, that deer that pants for water, my soul that so longs for you. I think we, we relate to that, don't we? There's something within us that, that resonates with that deep longing to know him more. But what is not so well known is that this psalm is about depression. If you look at verse 3 and verse 5 and verse 11, verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. Verse 5, why, cost, why are you downcast on my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And verse 11 repeats the phrase, why are you downcast on my soul? Why so disturbed within me? You can see clearly that this is a psalm about depression. But isn't it interesting that this is a song. This is a song that the psalmist composed and sang to God about his depression. Isn't that interesting? You see, negative emotions have got negative press that so often they're seen as wrong. So if you're anxious, or if you're depressed, or if you're angry, there's something wrong with you. You shouldn't have those feelings. They're seen as a lack of faith. Isn't that so? Uh, and because of that, we tend to suppress them. We tend to deny them, especially in church, and particularly amongst Christians, and maybe particularly amongst men. We suppress the feelings, or simply cover them, and we put on this happy Christian face that is expected of us. But emotions are neutral, that's what I want to make clear. Emotions are neutral, they're not wrong or right. What we do with them might be wrong or right. But the emotions in themselves just are. Actually, emotions are God-given. They're from God. They reflect something of the image of God because God is an emotional being. And all of those negative emotions you will see in Scripture, you'll see this clear, clearly that God has those emotions. And Jesus has those emotions. And I hope that you can see through this psalm that if we handle these emotions correctly, they can lead us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And if we know that, if we're not afraid of these emotions, if we realize that they're not wrong in themselves, hopefully instead of denying them, instead of suppressing them, we'll learn to express them. Tell the Lord about them, just as the psalmist does himself. Look at that verse 3 and 4. Uh, verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. He's talking to the Lord. While men say to me all day long, where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. And there's the psalmist pouring out his dejection to the Lord. But isn't it this aspect of the psalms that is so attractive to us? So as we read these things, something resonates within us. We identify with them. We, we, we think, well, yeah, I'm a kindred spirit. It enables us to get in touch with those same emotions and have similar reactions. I think it's why we love the psalms so much. And like uh, verse 9 and 10, maybe you resonate with this sometimes. Verse 9 and 10, I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony 
as my foes taunt me, saying all day long, where is your God? Don't you feel like that sometimes? Don't you feel like God is far away sometimes? Don't you feel like he's not answering your prayer sometimes? Where are you, God? Why are you silent? So the Psalms can help us to get in touch with those same emotions and express them. So it's important to say at this point that because we feel these things, it doesn't make those things true in themselves. I might feel like God is not there, but of course he is there. Scripture tells me he'll never let, ever leave me. So it's true that I feel like he is not there. I feel like he's abandoned me. But the, the, the truth is that he, he is, there, is there all the time. I might feel like I'm unlovable. I'm used goods or something. But God has said categorically that he loves me. He loves me enough to send his son to die for me. So what I feel is true, but it doesn't make it true, in fact, in reality. So I'm saying that these negative emotions are part of life. They're normal. And it's true that these negative emotions can overwhelm us sometimes. But it's also true that we go to the other extreme where we suppress these emotions. We bury them. We deny them. We don't allow ourselves to acknowledge or to feel them. But this psalm demonstrates a healthy way of dealing with emotions. It acknowledges the feelings and expresses them. Does that make sense? And all the way through the psalm, it talks about some of the symptoms that are there of depression. I'm not going to cover all the symptoms of depression. I'm going to confine myself to the, to the symptoms that, that are mentioned in this, this psalm. Verse 1 and 2 talks about that emptiness, that's, that thirst that we have. Verse 2, that feeling abandoned by God or disconnected by God. Where are you? A feeling of deep sadness that persists day and night. Tears have been my, my food day and night. There's that deep, deep sadness that comes with depression. Maybe a lot less of appetite. The only food that we're eating is that, those tears. Maybe sleep disturbances. The sadness is happening night and day. Even though not really reflected in the psalm, but there's a, there's a tiredness very often that goes with depression and a lethargy. And yet, we find it difficult to sleep. And often a feeling of agitation. Why are you cast down, so disturbed within me? Often feeling overwhelmed, these like waves covering him in verse 7. All just seems too much for us sometimes. And even physically affected, my bones suffer mortal agony. Sometimes there's so much pain within us, it's a deep physical pain caused by this depression. I'm sure as you read those things, you'll recognize those symptoms when you feel, have felt depressed and felt down. So let's get into the psalm. The, the context of the psalm is not obvious, but there are some clues to it. Verse 4 implies that the psalmist can no longer be in the temple. Verse 5, he talks about remembering those occasions on the Jordan and the heights of Hermon and Mount Mitzah. Uh, and it's been suggested that 2 Kings 14 is the context. I, I don't know whether it absolutely is. And that 2 Kings 14 is Joash, king of Israel, had attacked and defeated Amaziah, king of Judah, broken down the, the walls of Jerusalem, 
and taken the Jews hostage off to Samaria. But whatever, this psalm seems to have been written by hostages who were in exile. And they were mourning the loss of their home. They were mourning the loss of the temple and what that represented, the very presence of God. The loss, the, the temple was the place where they could draw near to God and they didn't have that anymore. They, they weren't able to worship Yahweh as they were used. And as a result, they felt sad. And here's the thing, folks, that depression is a normal, natural response to things that are sad, things that we've lost, as they had lost their home, their temple, that's, that place with God. It's normal and natural. Jesus wept when Lazarus, di Lazarus died. And any loss will result in some measure of feeling sad, whatever that loss is. All of us suffer from various losses, don't we? It might be the loss of a job, might be the loss of a relationship. Divorce has been called the living death, a painful loss, the loss of a friend who perhaps leaves the country, even the loss of a friend who no long, longer wants to have anything to do with you, a loss of income, we've experienced that in Zimbabwe, and that means a loss of a standard of living, a loss of an expectation or a hope but especially the loss of a loved one, someone that we love dearly and, and maybe loved us. And so the psalmist is grieving the loss that they experienced, and we will have times of grieving. And our problem is that so often we feel it's a lack of faith, or there's something wrong with us if we should feel sad. And just as the psalmist does here, I want to, to give you permission, give yourself permission, to grieve those losses but I think there's something more going on here in this psalm I, I think there's an element of lamenting or mourning the condition of Israel's spiritual state the state that resulted in Israel and Judah being exiled carried away to a foreign land a cry out to God to say what has brought us to this place in the same way, Nehemiah wept when he heard of Jerusalem's condition. In the opening verses of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah tells of the report that he'd received. Let's read it. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Let's read Nehemiah's response. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He was mourning. So not only do we feel depressed when we grieve, when we have some sort of a loss, but we feel depressed when we mourn. And what's more, this should be one of our disciplines that we engage in. I think it's something to do with intercession. Mourning the condition of various things. Do you mourn for the condition of the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide? Do you mourn for your country when you see injustices or corruption? Do you mourn when you see the, the, the breakdown of values? 
disruption to families do you mourn for yourself when you recognize your own condition before a holy God as we heard from Nathan just a couple of Sundays ago uh, when Isaiah when he saw the holiness of God the absolute holiness of God he said woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips he was mourning his condition And it's in this same way that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He said, I, I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And I think Jesus was lamenting the hard hearts of the Jews of that time when they didn't recognize their Messiah. So yes, sometimes we should be depressed. And Jesus has given us that promise. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And it's something about knowing the death of Jesus that we will then experience the resurrection. Does that make sense? And I think as we begin to see the condition of our own hearts and see the condition of the church and see the condition of, of what's happening round about us, that we can grieve and mourn and lament what's going on. And I think that drives us to pray and intercede. But the psalmist continues and he asks that question in, in, in verse 5. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed with me, within me? And I always think that's a good question to ask. What's the cause of this depression? And in verse 7, he alludes to something deep and significant. He says, deep calls to deep. There's something deep within me that will call something deep in God. He goes on to counsel himself, he says, put your hope in God. You see, hope is the light at the end of the tunnel. Hope is the way through, if you like. We get depressed when we despair, when we lose hope. And this is where the, the psalm links to the opening two verses, when the psalmist expresses his thirst for the Lord himself. And I've mentioned in the, in the previous sermons that our problem stems from trying to meet legitimate needs our own way, apart from God. And all of us have these deep, critical needs to be loved, to belong, to be affirmed, to be valued, to have meaning, to have purpose. But our problem comes when we set about trying to get those needs met apart from God. We set about trying to get them met from people or from the world. We look for security in relationships or in money or in possessions. We look to be valued using that worldly criteria. Am I good looking enough or do I have enough money or whatever it is? Am I famous enough? And so often our Christianity, even in our prayer and our so-called faith, is to get God to give us those things that will meet those needs. So Lord, give me the job that will get the money that will give me the security that I need. Give me that relationship so that I could be secure. Give me that job. Give me that relationship. Give me that recognition that I need as I do the work in the church. Give me the things in this world a home, a vehicle, clothes that give me status and recognition. And so often, unconsciously, we seek to get our needs met through people and for, for, from things of the world. And we feel anxious when we're not sure if we're going to get them. 
and we feel angry when something blocks us from getting that need met. And when we have tried and tried and eventually fail to get our need met, ultimately we despair and we lapse into depression. Why are you cast down, my soul? Does that give you something of the answer? It's when we have tried to get a need met through people, through the world, and it's not working. And it's not working. And it's not working. And eventually we despair. It's when in our sinful independence we've looked to others in the world or uh, uh, things in the world to give us that security or that worth or that significance. It's when those strategies are not working. It's when the waters from those wells run dry that we feel depressed. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Well, I've been trying to look to people or the world to meet these needs, and it's not working, and I'm beginning to despair. And the psalm continues, verse 5, Put your hope in God. And I want to say, Hallelujah for depression. Because as I ask that question, Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? I hopefully can allow that pain, that despair, to drive me to put my hope in Him. To abandon trying to seek to get my needs met through people or through the world. To take my pain to Him who loves me with an unfailing love. Say, Lord, I, forgive me for trying to get my needs met elsewhere. But I'm coming to you now and I want to receive from you. I want to put my hope in you. So interesting, Psalm 34 tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted. Verse 8 of this psalm says, by, by day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. It's a kind of echo of the words of Zephaniah. He takes great delight in you. Isn't that good? He rejoices over you with singing. And as we take our pain, as we take that emptiness, as we take that aloneness, as we take that anguish, we bring it to the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm laying this at your feet. And I want to experience something of your presence, your love, your assessment of my worth. I want to know my purpose in your eyes. I want to drink of you, Lord. Forgive me for trying to drink elsewhere. The psalmist continues in verse 5 and verse 11, For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And it seems the psalmist decides to praise him despite feeling low. Praise him no matter what I feel. He is my Savior. He is my God all the time, no matter what I feel. That doesn't change. And I want to come to the source of the hope and rejoice in Him and celebrate in Him. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Last week, uh, we were reminded how uh, the Scripture says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And it's good to, to do that, to rejoice always, obviously. But I would say, especially when you're feeling down. 
That's the time to put on a, a praise tape. That's the time to enter into a time of praise. Because what it does is it takes the focus off us and puts the focus on our hope, on Him. We need to put our hope in Him. I want to say a few things about that hope that we have in Him. This hope is not kind of a wishful thinking. I hope the weather's good for the picnic this afternoon. That's not that, that kind of hope. This is a sure and certain hope. It's based in the promises of God. And Peter writes in his letter, he says, In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a hopeless hope. It's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's a hope that is based in the resurrection of Jesus. It's not wishful thinking. God has raised Jesus from the dead to let us know that there is life after death. There is a hope for us. He goes on to say what it is. He says, this is an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade like all the things of the world. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That's the reality. That's our hope. And the Apostle Paul prays for the Ephesians and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, why does he, sorry, let me finish that sentence. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Enlightened to what end? He says this, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I think that's a great pray, a prayer to pray for ourselves. Lord, show me something of heaven. Reveal to me what it's like to be face to face with you. In your presence. Paul says, says elsewhere, eye hasn't seen, seen, ear heard, or the mind conceived of them, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Nothing I've ever seen compares to the beauty, to the majesty of what I will see in heaven. I haven't heard anything, no music, no voice, compares to what I will hear in heaven. And I cannot even imagine how it's good it's going to be. But he goes on in that same passage in Corinthians, he says, but the Holy Spirit can reveal these things to you. And the Apostle Paul himself had that experience where he was transported into a third heaven. He says, I don't know if it was in my body or it was just a vision. He says, but I was transported into the third heaven. He said, where I, I heard inexpressible things. He was seeing something of the presence of God. And because he had that vision, because he had seen that, he can say later on, our light and momentary troubles which included lashing and beating and jailed and shipwreck, rejection, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So he says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on the things of this world, but on what is unseen. That's our hope. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, it's knowledge of this hope that keeps us going through the tough times. As we despair of things of the world, <laughs> good that we despair of the things of this world. Isn't that so? That's why I say, hallelujah for depression. As we despair of the things of this world, Lord, show us our hope. Show us how good it's going to be 
Help me to know something of your presence now. Give me a taste, an experience of heaven that I can set my heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Last week, uh, when we were talking about anxiety, I reminded you that God's peace doesn't depend on circumstance. And it's the same for this hope. We can have hope irrespective of circumstance. Because it doesn't depend on the world around about us. It depends on Him. And that's why, and I won't take time to think about it, but that's why Paul can say, I have learned to be content whatever my circumstances. Isn't that amazing? That scripture we, that we say, um, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context of what he's saying. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he's saying is I can, I can be content whether I'm hungry or full, whether I'm in need or, in, or not. That's interesting, isn't it? His hope was in the Lord. So let me sum up. When we're feeling down, when we're feeling depressed, I think it's so important that we acknowledge that before the Lord. We acknowledge our emptiness. We acknowledge our thirst. Pour out your soul to Him. Identify maybe what you might have lost and that you're grieving. Identify those things that maybe that you need to mourn. You need to mourn over and intercede about. Try to identify where you maybe have been relying on things of the world or on other people to get those needs met. Maybe you've been relying on people, gaining their approval or their affirmation, trying to get yourself secure because of them. Or maybe it's through money or possessions or a job. Or maybe it's your behavior that you're trying to get that need met. And it's to acknowledge that and repent of it of trying to get satisfaction and fulfillment through things of the world, through other people. Repent of that and go to the Lord and fall before Him. Say, forgive me, Lord, but I want to put my hope in You. I want to look to You for that abundant life. And I hope you can see that as we acknowledge that emptiness, as we acknowledge that pain, this something deep within me can connect with something deep within him that it can drive me into an intimacy and a closeness and a dependency on God that nobody can take away from me nothing in this world will affect that deep calling to deep and as I receive from him all that I need his love his affirmation, his assessment of my value, his purpose for my life. And I begin to praise him irrespective of my situation. And I begin to know something of the hope that he has for me. And I begin to look forward in joyful anticipation of what God has prepared for me irrespective of what I'm going through now. I know something of the hope that he's given me. I want to close uh, with a quote that comes from C.S. Lewis. And he says this, God allows us to experience the low points in life, those times when we feel down and depressed, 
in order to teach us lessons that we could that we could learn in no other way that's why I thank God for depression and problems shall we pray maybe just in the quietness of our own hearts to be aware of what's going on there what's what is within our hearts but also what the Lord is saying to us are there things that we need to grieve are there things that we need to mourn over and especially are there areas where we need to repent of trying to get our needs met apart from him and so father we thank you for your presence with us we thank you for the hope that you give us forgive us for those times that we've tried to go outside of you we want to come now in repentance acknowledge our sinfulness of trying to be independent of you we want to come to your feet Lord and receive from you drink from you know something of that incredible hope that's not dependent on any circumstance pray Lord that you would open the eyes of our heart that we would see that hope that we would see the riches of the inheritance that we have in you that we would allow this pain in our heart this emptiness in our lives to drive us to you to drive us into your arms to drink deeply from you we pray these things jesus in your name amen <laughs>